Welcome, everybody, to the ESIS Dental Solutions MBA podcast. I'm your host, John Stamper. Join me as I spend time with some of the amazing experts in our dental profession and talk all things business of dentistry. They're going to share some of their thoughts, some of their challenges, how they overcame them, what things were like for them in 2020, and some awesome solutions for you as you look to refine the business part of your practice. Stay tuned. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode here on the eAssist Dental MBA podcast, where we're spending time with some of the amazing individuals in our profession. And we're going to talk a little bit of a different side of dentistry, the business side, right? So very excited to have with us today, Deborah Englehart nash How are you doing, Deborah? Hi, I'm doing really well. You know, uh, Thanks for having me on, and I'm excited to be with eAssist. Great, great product, great service. I love it. I love outsourcing to smart people. And eAssist is one of the people that are smart and can be outsourced. I love it. All right. So before we got started here, you and I were having some just discussions of, yes, 2020 was a very crazy year in dentistry for a lot of different reasons. But below a lot of that, there are a lot of practices that had very successful years. Uh, and I would imagine there's a lot of different reasons for that. Business is certainly one side of that and or looking at the practice and a lot of the different systems and processes. So we're going to get into that as, as we, we go into this podcast. But I would love for you to share with everybody a little bit about your journey as a dental practice coach, you know, what it's been like and, and how you got to where you are right now. Oh, okay. You know, it's, it's amazing if I think about um, going back because um, I got involved in the early 80s and uh, I was recruited out of an audience. Um, I had a, I worked for a dentist out of uh, Seattle, Washington, who was a groupie of a speaker um, by the name of Dr. Phil Whitener. A lot of people who are listening to this might not remember him, but what uh, Phil, Dr. Whitener was actually the partner of Dr. James Pride and together they formed the Pride Institute. Um, at the time. It was actually even called a different name when I was a consultant for them. And actually it was Jim Pride who actually was the designer of dental offices. And then um, he incorporated the knowledge, the wherewithal of Dr. Phil Whitener uh, for the practice management aspect of it. And then Dr. Whitener um, stepped away from it and, and Jim took it on. So I was an early Pride consultant uh, through the 80s, um, and there were probably nine of us, I think, at the time, and it, it obviously has expanded, grown to be much more. About in 1986, um, not that I think Pride has got great systems, it's got great training protocol, but I have a tendency to be a bit of a um, renegade. So it was hard for me to stick to the cookbook approach, if you will, the, you know, every client gets, you know, every client gets X amount of visits and every client starts with scheduling and every client, and this is the regime. And I totally, I totally get it. That if you're a large consulting organization and you are trying to man or manage a large group of consultants out in throughout the nation and throughout the world, um, you have to have, um, you know, it has to be consistent and congruent. Right. Um, and that didn't fit my model. Mm-hmm. So I went to the CFO and said, help me understand how this could be a benefit to you and me 
Or if not, then I can no longer be a benefit to you uh, because this is incongruent with what I really want to provide the clients. And that would be a customizable, um, n- not one not one hat fits all heads, a mm-hmm. kind of consultant. And they said, well, you know, we just we can't create this other little customized piece. So I said, well, then I'm going to go out and start and do my own thing. And I did that in 1986. Um, it's on public record that a lot of us left, about six of us left about the same time. Uh, we were all sued for non-compete and we all came through. We are all, you know, one. Actually, interestingly enough, from that group is really where the Academy of Dental Management Consultants got started. Oh, because although, although we wanted to be by ourselves, we also wanted the collaboration of others. Yeah. So there was a great... Um, it was, it's a wonderful comfort of being among consultants like Pride or Jameson or uh, uh, ACT or, you know, mm-hmm. Benco, where you have collaborative efforts from others. And you can you can call on a, a fellow consultant if you didn't know or if you needed more help. Um, yeah. So we created the Academy of Dental Management Consultants as a result of leaving Pride Management. So I started my own company in 1986. Um, and my first speaking engagement was 1988. Uh, and who would have known that from there I would have moved um, to Charlotte, North Carolina. To, I would have moved east of the Mississippi. I'm a California born and raised, uh, lived in Seattle. And then um, talk about another renegade move. <laughs> I moved east of the care. I moved to North Carolina, east of the Mississippi. And um, I married a dentist, which, you know, we that was like, Cardinal sin, you don't, you don't it was not a client. So that's, that's okay. um, yeah. and um, uh, he asked me to manage his practice. And so I am on retainer. I'm, you know, no, I'm not afraid to, you know, contend. The first year I worked with Ross, I doubled his net. I told him I had to do that so he could afford me. Um, <laughs> and, but the agreement was that although um, he would be a, a retainer client, that I would still have my own uh, business. So uh, I've been uh, in my own practice since 1986. I know. I goes know. By fast, right? Goes by fast. So along yeah. those lines, um, we're going to get into some challenges um, that you faced over the years and how you ever overcome them. But I'm very, I'm, I'm very curious. Uh, although you just shared what sounds like a couple oh, of them. I did some and, really and, stupid stuff. Yeah. Like I said, so, you know, when clients would say, um, can you, rather than charge me for a hotel, can you just stay at my house? And I, and I was young and I, I was eager and I, right. I wanted the clients. So I was like, sure, I'll yeah. stay in your guest room. <laughs> no, don't, don't, you know, I learned early on. Yeah. I learned not to travel on um, Sunday nights to be in a client's office on Monday. I, I, when I first got started, I didn't have enough parameters for my own health and, and my own life. And that's what I learned is I had to establish some boundaries that were going to work for me because I was literally on a plane on Sunday night and home on Thursday night. And on Sunday, I was getting ready. to. So I basically had Friday to get my reports done for my clients Saturday to do my laundry. And then Sunday I was back on a plane. Um, yeah. And I was single at the time, so it wasn't easy to yeah. do. You know, that's for a great segue. Yeah. It's a great segue into, I can imagine going back at that time, Deborah, you know, the world, what the world of consulting and dentistry was like, right. It feels like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that it was like this explosion of the realization that for so many years, 
uh, you know, you had the clinician side of dentistry. They were doing what they love best, working on patients. And then this this enlightenment comes about that, hey, there's you're running a business. You are an entrepreneur and there are all these pieces. You can grow your practice. There are different things you can do. So it doesn't surprise me when I learn more about that, that that's how it was back then. Uh, the, the question that I have from a business perspective, what has changed from when you started in regards to the business part of practices and what has stayed the same? Hmm. I think um, dentists, like you said, I think dentists are starting to realize that there is more to this practice. There's more to my work than being at the chair. Hmm. So I think they've realized that um, there's a profit and loss statement that has to be reviewed. I think analytics and dental analytics right now, I think huge. And they, back then we were doing this all, um, you know, we were doing the old math, I almost on an abacus. I mean, it was um, to, to do numbers, to run numbers for a client. I mean, that made us really magical and special because yeah. we could run numbers. Doctors didn't know how to do that. Um, so I think dental analytics, and there's so many great companies you and I were speaking early about, you know, outsourcing. There's great analytic yeah. companies, Dentometrics and Dental Intel and Blue IQ, a number of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that help doctors understand their numbers. I think the other thing is EBITDA. Who knew about EBITDA back then? And, and doctors are starting to realize that I've got to have something to sell when I'm ready to sell, whether it to be to another doctor, whether it to be, you know, to attract an associate or to a DSO, I've got to have an EBITDA. So right. they didn't even know about that. So I think all, I think analytics and numbers, um, statistics have become more prevalent than ever. I think the ongoing problem and I say this lovingly and tenderly and respectfully is human resources. Yeah. They, I mean, they didn't go to dental school to learn how to be a personnel director. They didn't go to dental school to, to be involved in human resources. And I think it is continues to be um, a weak link in dental practices. Well, and, and on, you on, on all kinds of levels, on, on all sorts of levels, how to hire, how to train, how to maintain, how to, you know, keep them motivated, keep them engaged, how to, you know, how to help them understand their value. I, just a brief, and you know me, John, you and I've worked together before. You give me a topic and you can just go ahead and have a beer because uh, I can go on with this. So there was a doctor and, and, I, and I'm not sure who he is, but he mentioned that he was a little upset that his team ordered a, a certain um, brand of scrubs and they were very expensive. And he, he just didn't really... He was upset because they, they bought such expensive set of scrubs. And he said, and his line was, I just don't think my team is worth that. So now I have team members who might be reading this. I'm reading this. And I said, show them that you value them by letting them buy an expensive pair of scrubs. I mean, please don't step over a dollar to pick up a dime because you've got team members who, I mean, think about it. A, a dentist has nine to 15 seconds to make a good infer, first impression. After a beautiful website, you got nine to 15 seconds. They haven't even met the doctor yet. So the last person they meet is the doctor. The last reason they choose a treatment plan is doctor's clinical abilities. It is not the reason they choose. So it's all about team. And so I think that that's still the frailty of Dell offices is understanding the high caliber of team required to do, um, to, to be, be as productive as possible. Yeah. Especially if you want to minimize or eliminate um, third party involvement, such as insurance. 
it's interesting because, you know, hearing you talk about the HR side and as you know, and have lived it, that also, right, Deborah, is the most exhausting piece. If you if you think about it, like, you know, any anything that's human related, anything that you have to think about in that regard, when, when I think about a dental practice and all the energy that is spent on that um, adds a whole nother layer to that, which I guess, you know, to, to your point, shows the value of having a lot of these other business systems in place and having other people help with that, because I don't know what your thoughts. I mean, the people part has been the biggest challenge, but when you look at practices that have really excelled, how have they figured it out? Has it been a situation where the doctor has stepped in and said, I value this. I realize how important it is. And I need to make sure my team feels I'm valued. What are some of the things that practices that excel in that, that you've worked with ha- have done? Well, first of all, I think it's an, it's an important number. So an important component of the practice, it's the largest expense that a doctor has. It's their big, it's, it's the biggest expense. Um, I think, uh, and this is going to possibly possibly sound trite uh, or mystical, but I think leadership plays a huge part. I think leading by example. Uh, once again, if you nickel and dime your team, they're going to nickel and dime you. They're going to wa- They watch. They pay attention to the behavior of the leader and will emulate that behavior. Yeah. So um, I think it's truly critical for the doctor to understand if the, if, if the doctor wants to be understood and appreciated and valued by the team, then it has to be reciprocal. It has to go both ways. Yeah. So um, I was, had a client one time and, and I chose not to work with him because the, his, one of his main, this is years ago. Um, one of his main reasons for hiring me was to figure out how he could retain employees up until they were eligible to be invested in the retirement plan. <laughs> it's like, do you understand yeah. the cost of turnover? And no, when you get it, when you have, and I have, you know, I had one doctor and he's actually, he's still a client to this day. He was one of my very first clients. He's still one of my clients. And um, he, it was, there was a difference in hiring an exceptional employee and hiring an okay employee. And the difference was about $150 a month. And he wasn't going to hire the way he says, well, she's asking a lot of money. I said, but look what she's bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. So I think the other difference, I think leadership, um, doesn't mean you have to be uh, uh, a profound orator. It doesn't mean you have to have an MBA. It doesn't hurt, but it doesn't mean you have to have an MBA. But you have to understand, you have to have empathy as well. And I have to, I'll give my husband credit. In fact, in our office, um, and we have an amazing team, an amazing team. They, I had a phone call from uh, our office manager today, and she said, this patient can only come in on Fridays. I know we normally don't see patients on Fridays, but I'm willing to come in Fridays and do her profi and do her hygiene. Dr. Nash is going to be here. So asking permission if she can come in on her day off. Well, it's a, it's a $60,000 case. She understands the importance of that. But if we didn't show her, if we didn't value her importance, how important would that have been? So we always say, if if you're going to work for us, there's three things you need to know. Number one, hire grownups. Um, Somebody, and, and I, once again, I say this as a coach, a lot of doctors put up with a lot of drama yep. and they, they perpetuate the drama because they, um, they either feed into it, they buy into it or they ignore it and they got to deal with it. So we hire grownups. We don't have time to babysit. I always say number two, keep your knees bent because things might change. You've got to be flexible and adaptable. But I think the third for us, the kind of the third component of our three things you need to know is probably the most important. I believe you get what you give. I believe that in life and I believe that in our practices, that if you give respect and you give loyalty and trust, you will earn respect, loyalty and trust. 
So I think that you have to hire people that you value and you have to show them that you trust them and they're, they're you're loyal to them. Um, again, there was a, a, a doctor that, and then this is kind of a sad story, but uh, the dental assistant came to him and asked if she could have spring break off because it's the only time she's a single parent. It's the only time she can have her children. And I mean, my heart goes out to, I was a single parent. I understand my heart went out to her and the doctor was denying her that time off because he's a pedo practice. And he said, it's our busiest time of, of the, one of our busiest times of the year. Can't really afford to, um, to have her take that time off. I say, but Think of what you will earn by showing her that you care enough about her personal life mm -hmm. and that you that you are going to give her this time to be with her children. You are going to gain loyalty, loyalty and respect. That's that's um, you can't buy it. You yep. earned it. Yep. So I think that's um, that's still one of the, the the lessons that many doctors have to learn. I love that. And, you know, when you think back over all the years, um, I know you've been going to trade shows for some time. I have as well. Meetings, conferences. It never fails, right, Deborah? You you can tell the teams that work well together. You can tell the teams where the doctor has done a lot of those things that you said. They've they've provided empathy. They've understood. Um, they, they You know, they've also held their teams accountable, right? They've wanted them to get better, exactly. excel, and do different things. Uh, but you can see them when you're at those meetings, like they're having a good time, right? They want to yeah. be there together as a team. They get recognized as a team. Uh, they build this culture uh, and um, and it really makes a difference. No question. I think too that there's a, there's a, and you it, it is fun. And we love taking our teams to events and uh, there, but how I always say this, and I, I am a team member as well as a, a coach. So mm -hmm. I understand that there's a fine line between the, to be, between being the employer and the pal. And I always say, especially to my, um, to my, I guess it should, could be gender neutral uh, clients, you don't ever want to have your dental assistant holding your head in a toilet bowl while you're throwing up. Yeah. <laughs> so I, there's a balance that, that yeah. I love my team and I love to socialize with my team, but, but there does have to be a fine line. Yep. That's well, again, once again, uh, I learned about not staying in a client. So I have one client that I'll stay in her house. But she understands. Um, and Paul Hamill used to stay in her house, too. So, I mean, if it's good enough for Paul Hamill, it's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. So finally, so as we kind of wrap this up, we're going to do something fun. I'm going to ask you to share. You, you share a lot of great nuggets. And um, I know the ESS team is, is, is really appreciative of you taking the time today. So we're going to put uh, we all want to get back. Speaking of events, I know for you as a speaker. Uh, even in this virtual world, you you have you have made it work with your clients, which is awesome. But I know all of us are social beings. We want to get back in person. So we're going to take you to a place. Um, we're, we're in a ballroom somewhere. And you have all of your colleagues. We'll just say your ADMC colleagues, all the people over the years that you've known or what have you. And you're on stage. And, and, and with where we are right now in dentistry, maybe not where we were in the past, where we are now in dentistry, what would be one thing you would share for your colleagues? As, you know, because I, I have watched... It's been really cool from our vantage point to watch all of you, a lot of these events. Uh, you all have a level of respect for each other. Many of you are obviously doing the same thing, yet it's been really special in dentistry because you all have a lot of respect for each other. And so I've watched each of you listen to what the other one says. So you're in front of a room with all of your colleagues at the first event that we all get to be back in person together. Um, what's one bit of advice you give to people right now? Gosh, I have like, so now, you know, you you kind of preempted, told me that and I wrote like 17 things down, but... <laughs> 
um, besides making sure you continue to pursue having life balance, which is critical, um, I would say that one of the best things that I learned how to do was know when a project or a client was beyond my specialty and knew how to refer out. Um, I There are so many tremendous specialists in our industry that I think it's important to be able to say that is not my strength. Right. Um, I remember a young consultant years ago, um, I did um, orthopedo. Um, I didn't do oral surgery for, um, for pride. So I didn't have experience with oral surgery. So I had as out of integrity and respect for the client, if, a, if an oral surgery client called, I would have to say that is not my strength. Mm-hmm. So I think know your strength and know when it's important to outsource. I'd say, you know, let me find a consultant who has that specialty. I remember a young consultant uh, with pride uh, would call me the night before she's going into an ortho practice. And she said, teach me everything ortho. Yeah. Um, so I think the important thing is that I think more and more, I think one of the difference, um, one of the differences in consulting today is you are finding more and more specialists. You are finding insurance specialists and HIPAA specialists and OSHA specialists because the dental world is changing. And we didn't realize the importance of all of those niches. So now uh, consultants are filling those niches. And so I think when a a doctor um, is looking for a consultant, find out what are you looking for? So are you looking for a specialty consultant? But I also think for the consultant um, is know your strength. Go to that strength. I mean, if you want to be a general consultant, great. But also know when it's important. I, or I'm bringing a circle back. Know when it's important to outsource, like outsourcing to assist. I can't believe I did that. That's amazing that I figured that one out. That was not but planned. That was not planned. Not at all. This is just a I conversation. Not planned. Not planned. But I think it's important for a consultant to know when it's time to, to and it's important to outsource and or collaborate with others. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Well, again, thank you so much. Um, can you share with everybody where they can learn more about you and, and find out about what you're doing? Um, well, other than my, um, I know I was going to make some sort of joke, but someone might believe me if I talked about felony convictions. So, <laughs> so you know, you can find me in the public record. No, um, <laughs> and I don't want to do that. So um, my cell phone number is 704-904-904. Three four five nine. My easy email, which shows you how old I am, because I have three, because I went through the Nash Institute and I have one for my other, my Nash Speaking Consulting. But my old, old email is easy. It's Ross, D as in Deborah, Nash, N A S H at AOL. A O L. I might as well have a dial up phone. I know it. Stop it. I'm old. But it, no, but it still works, right? I mean, that's it's still I, yes. You know, I have to say one more thing, and I know you. You know, it's time for us to go, and we should be singing the Carol Burnett goodbye song. Um, people ask me, you know, I've been in dentistry a long time, and they say, "Well, Deborah, when when are you going to stop?" And I always say, you know, when I stop loving it, I'm going to stop doing it, and when I stop being relevant, it's time for me to go away. So dentistry is changing, changing, changing all the time. And in order for us all to be stronger and to be better, including dentists, including clients, including team members, um, we can't quit learning. We can't quit learning. And consultants, my friends and my colleagues, one of the reasons for our great associations is that we never stop 
learning so we continue to be relevant and staying on the leading edge. That's how yeah. we're going to end. We're going to drop the mic. I love ending there. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to see you. Good to see you. And, uh, hopefully we'll see you soon in person. Thanks, John. I'll see you, Deborah. Bye. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of the ESIS Dental Solutions MBA podcast. Be sure to visit iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, whichever platform you get your podcast from and subscribe. That way, each time we put out a new episode, it will come through to your listening device of choice. Also, if you want some more information about ESIS Dental Solutions, be sure to check out dentalbilling.com. That's dentalbilling.com. Have a great day.